Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We got our Counterpoint lined up, and tonight we got Omar Khan, VP of Public Affairs over at Hill and Knowlton Strategies. And his big brain is going to go up against Dennis Matthews, uh, conservative campaign strategist, VP marketing and communications over at Enterprise Canada, not the car rental company. Hello. <laughs> big brain. Uh, I don't know. Big big guy. I don't know about the brain, though. Well, I'll take both your big brains because you both come at this. Uh, this is a good matchup. Good matchup. Um, let's. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because we've gone through it, but certainly both of you would understand um, uh, the the complexities of this issue. Certainly for for uh, any government because it's a balancing act uh, of dealing with the unions and dealing with education needs. But Ontario uh, is uh, the government is looking looking at uh, possibly lifting a cap on kindergarten classes in primary grades one and three. And this would give some flexibility to boards and, and get kind of rid of this one-size-fits-all uh, one approach that I think uh, creates an awful lot of problems. The union, of course, is saying that this is going to be a disaster. I'll start with you on this, Omar. I mean, are, are the, the unions telling me that there can't be any change to education without them losing their minds? Well, you know, they obviously have a, have an agenda that they that they have to put forward, and 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 the constituency that they have to represent. Uh, you know, I do agree with you and, and your previous caller. Th- these are you know consultations. They are suggestions, uh, not not even suggestions. They're 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 items that the government has said they are looking at. They also said they're they're looking at doing away with full day kindergarten, or or they're, they're at least open to a discussion on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know it, it, what I would say is and, and, and you know if anyone uh, from the education ministry or the minister's office is listening, I would say think very carefully here. Um, the issue on uh, class sizes, particularly at the KG to level three, is so critical because those are the most formative re- years of, of, of the child's brain. So if you, if you look at what's going on right now in Los Angeles. Uh, where they have no caps and, and some of the class sizes have gone uh, to over you know, 40, 40 kids per class and the teachers are actually having to go on strike for that issue. Uh, you know, we, we've seen the downstream effects there. Uh, and one of the reasons why you know, the McGuinty government early on in their mandate and the signature pro- promise in the 2003 provincial election moved to cap these class sizes was because uh, of the downstream impacts. Now, uh, should there be room potentially for some flexibility? Uh, perhaps. Yes, my, my fear, however, is what we're, what we're going to see is kind of what we saw on the tuition side, where uh, the government starts to float some of these issues, uh, and then we find out a little bit later that it's really uh, to, to backstop some, some, some fiscal cuts, uh, which is what we saw on the tuition side, on the, on the post-secondary side, uh, with, with, with the $500 million reduction in funding for the universities and colleges. I hope that's not the case here. We'll see what they bring out in their budget, but I would just urge caution on this file for for that reason. Right, but there's $30 billion. This is an expensive, Dennis. This is a very expensive budget item for this government and from the last government and even into the Harris government. The schools were crumbling. You know, we had big-time special needs with kids that were getting ignored. Uh, This is an area that has been ignored for so long, and yet the budget has just gone up and up and up on things like labor costs and pensions and all the rest of it. But there's something's got to give. 
Yeah, somebody's got to give. And, and I think what, what you know what's very frustrating with this, and, and we saw this with the sex ed uh, discussion and, and sort of it's ongoing still, is this inability for us to sort of look at these issues uh, from a big picture perspective and, and have a discussion of, you know, are our kids being taught the right things in, in you know, 2019? Is our system working? Are we getting good value for money and, and the cost increases that have been going up and up? And when you get these flashpoints, and, and my mind immediately sort of compared this to, you know, some of the issues with, with sex said, where you, you take the flashiest parts of the system, and in this case, you know, class sizes, and, you know, everybody has sort of a big pylon, and, and, it's, and you can't get past it and talk about the real issues. Which is, and, which is get rid of the boards. Like, honestly, if, if Doug Ford said, okay, fine, we'll leave the classrooms around. Let's cut the boards. The boards would go nuts, but that's where the big costs are. Yeah, no, and, and, and having some flexibility. I mean, even, you know, I've got kids who are in, who are at, you know, sort of the age we're talking about here. I've got a kid in junior mm-hmm. kindergarten. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm a parent, and, and, I, and of course, I don't want my kid to have, you know, sort of 50 children in their, in their classroom. But, you know, it's even little things like these caps leading to a lot of split classes because, you know, they, they can't go above the cap of 21 or 22 students. And so, you know, suddenly you're, you're splitting things up. Or, or, you know, some of the union seniority rules where principals don't have discretion to say, well, this teacher can, you know, could do well or these kids can do well with the bigger class and maybe these kids need a smaller class with with this teacher and you know we get in this kind of sort of cookie cutter uh, system here where we've taken all the flexibility away and and we you know it's ironic but we we can't seem to have an adult discussion about education without it getting bogged down in either emotion and issues or or emotion and and you see this on a lot of issues all right i want to move on to this because i got a lot to get through with you guys and and you're the perfect people to talk about this because you know what would be going on behind the scenes but justin trudeau is standing by his baffle gab ambassador um he has not denounced John McCallum. He has not reprimanded it. We don't even know if he agrees with these very inappropriate comments. And he's not going to fire John McCallum, clearly. Um, I, You know, McCallum came out today with some statement uh, saying that he misspoke, which apparently for 40 minutes giving a defense strategy to China is, mis- is <laughs> misspeak. Um, but, you know, this is, I think, the wor- one of the worst diplomatic failures we've seen in, the, in this country. Um, Dennis, I'll start with you on this. Is Trudeau making a mistake not firing him? Yeah, and, and he's making a huge mistake not firing him. And, and the word that keeps coming to my mind on, on John McCallum is he's been compromised. And, you know, he is he is obviously not acting in the interest of, of Canadians here. He's, you know, he's, uh, and I, I don't understand exactly why or how, or how he got to this position. You know, and, and I, you know, what's what's making it so much harder is watching, you know, Trudeau defend him. And, and I, you know, I think this will be, you know, whenever there's sort of a long weekend or a, a big news day, I think, well, sort of the press release will go out that John McCallum is retired. Mm. Um, you know, but we're, we're obviously not there yet. And I just understand why, you know, unless they directed him to do this and they think there's some grand strategy to sort of win over Chinese voters by, oh. uh, by doing this, which I, you know, honestly seems kind of laughable. But if, if that's the strategy here, that's the reason you stand behind them. Otherwise, I mean, it's OK. You, you know, you got to go. You're not representing Canada here. Well, McCallum is uh, apparently quite a hero right now in China. They're loving this. I mean, this is all over the news. He's being looked at as a as a, an ally to China in this whole thing. Um um, Omar, but here's the thing. I mean, you and I both know, we all know that that to set up a press conference like that, I mean, Mr. McCallum did not do that. He didn't go rent out a hall. He didn't go put an invitation out to the media. That was all orchestrated by somebody. So it just doesn't add up. I mean, what w- what would the rationale be uh, to this, Omar? So I, I probably wouldn't have taken a an ambassador and put them put him in in him or her in in that situation because it, it it was bound to become an inherently political situation whether they wanted to or not. I, I think there there's. I mean, could they possibly have thought that this wouldn't get out in, in 2019? Well, no, 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 I, mean, I, 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 I don't think it's that. I, he clearly went off script. 
Well, he did, but, uh, he, but they sent clearly, him into this know, area he, for a reason. He, he, made, he made a mistake. What he said is not the policy of the government of Canada. But what I would have done is actually had somebody who, who, who is an elected official. There's many of them, uh, you know, perhaps even the foreign minister Freeland go in and do, do the, the press conference. Uh, you know, these were... With Canadian media, was, was too? Canadian media, right? There were Canadian media <laughs> and Chinese... Omar, language, you media. cannot spin this one. The Canadian no, no, media no, no, were no, no, not no, invited it. to it this. Was, he, he, he made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, a few. <laughs> uh, and, and it's a big mistake. Uh, but, you know, we're, we You can't are polish this human. turd, you know that, right? But, you know, <laughs> ultimately, what the position of the government of Canada is uh, was, was quite aptly articulated by our ambassador to the United States, to the, to the U.S. a couple of days ago, which is that look, we have an extradition treaty with the United States, right, which we have to honor. So when, the, when U.S. law enforcement, when the Justice Department in the U.S. says, okay, um, you know, we have a warrant for the arrest of this individual who's now in, uh, on, on your territory, we, we have to respond to that because we are a country of laws. But that doesn't mean that perhaps the, the president of the United States, by making the comments that he did, indicating that he could use this as a bargaining chip, hasn't politicized the issue. Well, jo- sorry, but John McCallum has done 20 times that. Yeah. McNaughton was saying in Washington, mm-hmm. uh, and I think I think that's what Ambassador McCallum was trying to say. Mm. Oh, but really? He just went oh, okay. way off the reservation. <laughs> Is that the talking point? Come on, that's a good one. Okay, yeah. Sorry, whatever Trump said, this this pales in comparison to what McCallum said. But clearly, D- Dennis, this is not going away, right? No, I don't think it's going to go away in the in the short term. And you've got the uh, you know the House of Commons is is coming back Monday. from the hearing, and, <laughs> Get and your this popcorn. is going to be you know this is, this is not going to go away for the first couple of days at, at a bare minimum, which is which is why I've been a little puzzled that the you know the Trudeau people haven't found a way to bring this to conclusion sooner. You know, even even the line that he misspoke. I mean, it's it's not it's not <laughs> the he, line. It was forty misspoke. minutes. <laughs> you know, he, he might have misspoke. He might have misspoke for the government, but he didn't misspoke for you know for himself. And, <laughs> you know, and that's and that's the real issue here. Is like there's you know how does this guy go and, and represent Canada in, in a country that he, you know, obviously has a, an affinity for that's uh, that's not ours. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I think it's it's impossible to, to imagine a, a scenario where he's he's representing Canada and China and anybody thinks he's, you know, putting Canada first. No kidding. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We're into Counterpoint Part uh, 2, Round 2. We've got Omar Khan and Dennis Matthews. And uh, I don't know where you guys were last year, but I was uh, watching my, uh, my, my phone because we got this strangely uh, worded press conference that came out of the blue. And it was from Patrick Brown, who had something to say, and here's what he said. A couple hours ago, I learned about troubling allegations about my conduct and character. And I'm here tonight to address them. First, I want to say these allegations are false, categorically untrue, every one of them. In short, I reject these accusations in the strongest possible terms. It's not my values. It's not how I raised. It's not who I am. And that was it. No more being premier for Patrick Brown. But it, uh, you know, look, I call him a political zombie because he has managed to survive everything. I'll start with you on this, Omar. Is Ontario better off or worse off without Patrick Brown in charge? Um, you know, I think Ontario is worth off, worse off without Kathleen Wynne and the Ontario Liberals. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> uh, but I had to get that in there. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, A lot of people it, throwing it, things at the radio right now. <laughs> I, 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 I'm torn on this one. Mm. Uh, so I'm torn in that I genuinely believe Mm. Uh, that we as a society need to create an environment where 
um, survivors or, or those who see themselves as survivors feel comfortable coming out. Uh, but I also... But you know, we don't? Like, we, you know, are people I terrified to come out? Like, I just talked about the rule of law with respect to the issue uh, um, uh, with, with China right now. Mm. Uh, and, you know, Mr. Brown has felt strong, feel strongly enough about this to have brought a lawsuit against CTV, which is before the courts right now. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. You know, ultimately, the, the voters uh, of Brampton chose or, or decided that it, you know, the, uh, that it didn't matter enough to them, at least, to not elect him, uh, which seems to be at odds anyways with the majority of the current Ontario PC caucus and the leadership in, in the Ontario PC party. Uh, they haven't seemed to uh, let this go. I think we'll, we'll see where the courts come down on this, but, uh, you know, you are right in that it is the political survivor story of the year, if not the the, the decade, that's yeah. for sure. And if I'm the NDP party, I'm saying, hmm, okay, there is hope for us yet. But nonetheless, <laughs> is, is Ontario better or worse uh, without Patrick Brown? Or in, with? You know, I think three three things on today. You know, first, um, uh, you know, we're way better off under uh, under Premier Ford than we ever would have been under uh, Premier Patrick Brown. Uh, second, it's, it would certainly be a more more vanilla. I mean, it would be very boring. <laughs> we wouldn't have well, much I'm to actually, talk and, about. And I think my my second point here is a critical one. I'm actually not sure he would have won the election campaign. You know, I think mm. there were some cracks that we saw, and you know, yep. he's, yep. he's obviously got yep. a lot of lice, and he's Mayor of Brampton. But I'm not convinced. I think we might have had uh, no NDP government, Maybe. or or Kathleen Wynne, you know, might have uh, been able to to pull it out had he. Uh, had he been on the ballot, I agree. But you know, the third, the third thing, and you're playing the, the the clip of the press conference, and you know, I, and I just wonder, you know, he handled that from an issues management perspective so poorly. I mean, that press conference, the the uh, you know, sort of the perv walk he did afterwards, where the cameras were following him, he looked disheveled. You know, he wasn't prepared for it, and and the facts on this story, you know, as the days or the, as the hours and days went on afterwards, you know, CTV rolled back the underage elements, and and a bunch of this stuff is is not quite as explosive as it seemed on, on that evening. And, you know, I think there's some, I, I, like I said, I'm not convinced he would have won an election, uh, but I do think it's, I, I think it's an important lesson in, you know, how you react to a crisis in the immediate minutes and hours afterwards can have a profound impact on your reputation and on your ability to, to recover and go forward. And I think he was very, very poorly served in the hours after uh, all this came out and, and some of the damage has taken him a long time and, and maybe he will never recover from, from it. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see where the next chapter is on that. I don't have a lot of time to spend on this, but it, it is worth mentioning because Venezuela, you know, on the verge of total collapse. I mean, there's a lot going on right now. Hundreds of thousands in the streets, you know, with the hope of, of toppling the socialism that has really uh, created just such a total humanitarian disaster there. Both Canada and the United States backing the new interim leader. Um, you know, they want the military boss out. But then the NDP, you know, they suggest that we shouldn't be getting involved in at all. And now the guy who wants to be prime minister, Jagmeet Singh, is actually asking the prime minister to break rank to break ranks with the United States and Brazil over Venezuela and that tells me all I need to know that he should never be put in charge Omar yeah this is an amateur hour at its worst so, for, so first he puts out a tweet uh, yesterday which says absolutely nothing <laughs> yeah, like, you know I, it, I, I, I was flabbergasted when I saw it. I said this guy wants to be the prime minister and this is a world crisis and it's just I could see what he was trying to do right so he has to say something but he can't upset the socialist caucus or, the, or the, the far left elements within his party who quite frankly are sympathetic towards left-wing dictators. Mm. Yeah. Uh, a dictator is bad whether they're right-wing or whether they're left-wing. Yeah, you don't want to be. Uh, so it's, it's, yeah. this isn't a tough decision. Like the only, the only people who are, who, are, uh, who, are, who are opposed to Canada's position on this is Cuba, 
uh, in Iran. China, <laughs> Turkey, Russia, and Jigmeet Singh. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis, I've only got about 30 seconds. Is, uh, is he not fit for prime time? Not fit for not fit for prime time. I mean, his statement was a word salad. You could barely figure out what he was at, what he was trying to say. And and you know, this is this is just an example of you know when when Jack Light was able to pull the party to the center, when Mulcair was keeping it near the center. You know, they were competitive, but when they drift into this kind of loony far left world, and ultimately their policies will do for Canada what's been done to Venezuela. And I think voters are going to say no thanks. Yeah. All right, guys, we'll leave it there. And I think. Uh... Don't forget, you still got time, NDP. You can beg Mr. Mulcair to come back. That's too late. Or Nathan Cullen, whenever. All right, guys, thank you. I appreciate it. See you next time. That is uh, Dennis Matthews and Omar Khan joining us tonight. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.